Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the 2021 Believe in Bears. My name is Joe Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by who else? BetOnline.ag. And look, BetOnline is where you should go to win all your money today, whether it's live bets during games or futures. For who you think will win the next championship, BetOnline is all the odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. So what are you waiting for? Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next big game, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts ladies and gentlemen thank you for coming into the pod i am so excited to all of you welcome back to another season of bears football to all of you that have listened to the pod before thank you so much for coming back and checking it out because i have to introduce my brand new co-host here on the show the man might be from the east coast but he has got some deep deep chicago sports roots as well and he also just might happen to be a chicago legend in my eyes because he was the man who did something that Father Time failed to do, which was tap on the shoulder of Brett Favre in 2010 and tell him, you are no longer a quarterback. It is the Northwestern Wildcat alumni and former Chicago Bear, Fox 32's own Corey Wooten. What's up, Corey? Joey, what's going on, my man? I, I feel like we've been talking a lot, and it's glad to finally have our first episode right here. And um, I'm excited to get into it, man. I'm excited, man. This season's going to be, I think it's going to be really interesting, right? Things are going to go up and down. It's going to be a roller coaster. Things are going to change. I'm just super happy and thankful that I'm here for, with you uh, on the ride, man. It's going to be a yeah, lot of fun. I'm excited, baby. Yeah, let's get a ticket to this ride, baby. Let's yeah, go. Let's yeah, go. Hop aboard. Hop aboard, everybody. Hey, football's back, right? Football is back, man. We've been watching throughout the COVID, the pandemic. We've been watching cherry spitting on ESPN. Come on. <laughs> right? That's what this is coming to. I know I did. I did. I did the Olympics and I like felt proud of myself for being a sports fan. I've done the Olympics. I've had my fill. But now, yeah, I feel that itch. I even feel that fantasy football itch a little bit. We're talking way too much. We're overreacting. So let's overreact to some preseason football today for sure. Let's just bring the listeners in a little bit and let's just kind of walk through a little get to know Corey just real quick. Um, Just tell them about your journey growing up in New Jersey, Northwestern Chicago Bears. Let's talk a little bit about your journey. You know, from Jersey. Yeah, you heard me now. Nah. <laughs> so I'm born and raised in, uh, in Rutherford, New Jersey, right by uh, Giant Stadium. So I grew up like five minutes from Giant Stadium. Uh, grew up in there, small town. Um, everybody always says it has like that. Uh, what's that movie with Jim Carrey where he was in like perfect town? Me, myself and Irene. <laughs> Or is it more like no. Truman Show? Is it like Truman Show? Truman Show. Yeah, okay. yeah everyone's always like, man, your, your town seems like Truman Show. You know, everybody knows each other, you know, white picket fences, you know, everybody's, you know, just everybody's super chipper all the time. You see the same people at the bagel shop, you know, the barber shop, et cetera. So really small town feel, but it, it, it was it was great growing up there. You know, had a great group of friends and uh, it was just, it was great growing up in a place like New Jersey and especially the, the food. Like that's that's where I get my foodie sent. That, that's, that's why I'm such a foodie is because all the food I was introduced to being in New Jersey, you know, Italian, like anything, anything you pick it, you name it, just being so close to New York City. So I, uh, I really loved uh, growing up in, in Jersey. Hard to date in that town because everybody knows everybody, or Corey uh, Wooten did all right uh, as a teen. You know, I mean, I, I was a late bloomer, you know, that, I'll put it that way. So, you know, I was focused on sports, focused yeah, on sports, that's... you know, maybe in middle school, you know, uh, a little bit, but I always kind of focused on sports. But yeah, it was, it was, I, I had a great experience. And so, you know, let's, let's walk into high school days, right? So I, I didn't go to my hometown high school, I went to a football powerhouse. Uh, Don Bosco prep. So they were, um, 
pretty much kind of like a Mount Carmel where you're from, um, mm-hmm. you know, really good football school, put out a lot of people. And uh, yeah, my, my senior year, we had nine or 10 D1 guys. Uh, so wow. it was pretty incredible. And in our division that we played against, we played against a bunch of NFL guys. Brian Cushing was, was one of our rivals. Jim Dre, who ended up playing, I think, eight or nine years in the league. The McCourty brothers, Devin and Jason McCourty. Junior Gallette that played for, um, you know, Saints for a bunch of years in the Redskins. Um, we played against, um, yeah, a bunch, bunch of NFL guys in there. So it was like, people really think New Jersey is a basketball state, but it's, it's really a football state. You know, Jabril Peppers, Rashawn Gary, all those people are from that North Jersey cycle. So, yeah, yeah, the football was great. And when we were there, we were, you know, number two in the nation my junior year. We were always top 10. So, that was before you kind of played the rank schedule that they, that they know of today, but it, it was a great experience. And then from there, I ended up getting a scholarship to uh, right down the street from you, Northwestern university. So I had, I had 10 other offers, but uh, you know, going on my business, I felt like Northwestern was the best fit for me. So I wanted a school that was good in academics and played in a great conference. It was comp- competitive. And I feel like Northwestern was school. So it was kind of between them and Boston college. So ended up picking Northwestern after going on a visit, meeting the guys. And I feel like I gelled with them the most. And I feel like I would fit in there the most, you know, some of the schools I went to, you know, Louisville and some of these other schools, it's it's not a knock, but some people, you know, you could just tell the type of people they were recruiting. And this, you know, I think football was, was end all be all for them. And I think at Northwestern people were thinking about, Hey, I'm gonna try to make the league, but if not, I got a bigger picture. And that, that really, you know, mesh well with me. And that's why I decided to go there. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm born, I was born and raised uh, in Evanston, grew, also grew up in Wilmette too. So the Northwestern Wildcats were my college football team. You know what I mean? Ryan Stadium yeah. was my yeah. place to go. And yeah, I love that you say that because maybe I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. You know, you're really close to the city and you've got all these different also like professionals that are like, you know, working and getting educated also at Northwestern. I'm pulling it up right now too. Pretty nice career you had for yourself here. Four career interceptions. I'm going to want to hear about that at some point. About the four career yeah, interceptions. Yeah, I mean, I got, I got some hands, man. Yeah, you know, yeah, okay. Sleep on it. They, they, and then, I used to play uh, tight end, man. That's how I got out my offers. You know, oh, they, well, really? the only school that wanted me as a, a defensive end. Oh, there you go. There you go. And then yeah, I've, seen, I've seen 10 sacks in 2008, uh, five and a half last six games. Talk about in 2008. You've mentioned also previously in other articles about, you know, the role that like defensive coordinator uh, Mike Hankwitz had when he came over. So what was it? Was it, a, was it a light bulb for you athletically at the time or did he was able to like through his coaching unlock something, too, that was a perfect match? Yeah. So Mike, Mike Hankowitz, uh, evil genius is, is what they call him. I mean, one, one of the best defensive coordinators I ever played under. And when he came in, he completely revamped the defense. We went from a read defense and at the time we were playing a four three not a three four so you know how three four are you know really big like 300 pound defensive ends but we yeah. weren't we were built you know 260 270 and um you know we were we were asking they were asking us to do what a 300 pound would do at 260 270 so it just didn't work out the best we were kind of you know slow off the ball we were reading off them as opposed to attacking so that was the biggest thing he implemented that attacking style defense we're going to get off the football we're going to cause penetration we're going to cause havoc we're going to get sacks tfls disruptions and that first year i mean you know we started out hot you know we had a i think we had like six sacks the one game five sacks the other game bunch of turnovers 
And it was just like, since then, the defense really turned around at Northwestern because that was kind of the weak point. And you're familiar with it when Brett Bazin, they were there, was there yeah. and Noah Heron and all those guys. Offense was the mainstay, right? That's where all the NFL players were coming from. And then you saw the shift in it and you see the defensive success. And even today, um, you see you see a lot of guys on that side of the football now playing in the NFL. So it's good to see. After a great career at Northwestern, you get drafted in the fourth round by the Chicago Bears. Um, I'm going to save the Brett Favre story for right now, but I kind of want you to comment just a little bit. I do want to hear like overall what your experience was with the Chicago Bears, but I want to go to that 2012 season a little bit. You know, you had seven sacks that year. I remember that year pretty fondly. That was the year I think you guys started off seven and one. What Jay takes a hit against the Texans and the and the ceiling falls apart after that. Jay comes back and I'm getting it pulling up right now. I think he only averaged 203 passing yards after that through six picks after that Texans game. Just talk about your experience in the Bears and specifically that season because, man, sitting at seven one, I think as a Bears fan, I was thinking Super Bowl. Were you thinking that too? Oh, I, that, that's what I thought for sure because my rookie year, 2010, that's when we were one game away from the Super Bowl and the NFC Championship against yep. Aaron Rodgers and BJ Raji when he hit the hula on us, it just it just killed us. Um, but that's that's what I was thinking that year because we started out so hot. I mean, our defense was just r- running on all cylinders. I mean, the takeaways, the sacks. Um, you know, that year it was like myself, Henry Melton, and Israel Donage, um, Julius Peppers. Erlacher, Briggs, uh, Nick Roach. I mean, you know, Tim Jennings had an awesome season that year. I think he had uh, 10, 10 or 11 picks, something crazy like that. Peanut Tillman, like our defense top to bottom was amazing. And the way we performed that year was was unbelievable. But, you know, it's, it's just like, it seems like ne- nothing can ever be two-sided with the Bears, right? Like one side has to do good, other side can't do as good. That's what it always seems like. Oh, that's what it was. And then the following year, the, the offense balls out and we're one of the worst defenses in the league. It's like you can't pick. So but but that year, I, I just feel like we were playing on a different level. And if and if the offense could have been what it was in 2013, I mean, oh, if we combine those. Oh, that would that would have been unbelievable. And then people forget the next year in 2013, Rob Marinelli, Lovey's not there. So we're trying to run the same scheme with a different guy, you know, it's, it's not his scheme, but he's trying to run it because of the success we had and it just didn't work out right. Yeah. I was going to ask you, I, I, I don't really want to get in the game of like you drag and Tressman or anything like that. That's a really easy game to play, but do you feel like that, that switch over from 2012 to 2013? Cause lovey was so, he, I mean, that was his baby defense takeaways. I mean, that was, that was his mantra. That was, you know, his discipline. Do you feel like that they just maybe paid a little bit less attention? Sometimes the focus goes in a little bit different area on the team and things just kind of maybe sort of fall, fall apart a little bit? Yeah, I, I think it's tough. I think there's there's certain there's certain coaches that people will really buy into and, and do anything for. Like, I feel like Rod Marinelli and Lovey, those are the type of coaches. And this is not, not a knock on Tressman or Mel Tucker anyway. I thought they did a great job. They came in, they gave it their all. But I feel like uh, Rod Marinelli and Lovey, everybody just on the defense loved them so much and would do – and they run through a brick wall. And I feel like that's how programmed he had us, like, you know, di- discipline, you know, accountability. And it was just like everything was just running on all cylinders. And then you take you take them away and, you know, it's, it's kind of like your, you know, favorite teacher at school or, you know, you, you, don't, you don't look at things the same way. And I feel like that's that's kind of, you know, we, we didn't focus on the same things that they did. So I think it was just. You know, we're we're like oh we basically have the same personnel except Erlacher. you know Erlacher is a great player and it's hard to um you know replace him 
but we pretty much had the same personnel, but we just weren't the same. Like the, it just seemed like, I don't know if you remember the last game of the season when we played the Packers, right? When uh, Randall Cobb know, game. they had that last, exactly. When Randall Cobb went deep and he beat everybody. Which, which to be fair, so, Jay, Jay threw a tutty at the end of that quarter to put us up, right? And if we had won that game, Jay is a hero, right? Exactly. He'd be a hero. But in that game, I don't know if you remember, there was a play where there was a fumble, right? And nobody picked up the ball at all. And that's something I'm talking about, the, the mentality yeah. not transferring over. Because if if Marinelli and um, Lovey would have been there, that would have never happened. We always scoop and scored every ball if it was close. And in, that was just in practice. We let stuff creep in in practice. And that's what we saw. And that's a big indicator of that because they fumbled and we should have picked that up and scoop and scored and we missed out on an opportunity. And that could have been the difference between winning and losing that game. We're going to get onto some training camp stuff that's happening right now, but I want to ask you one more question just about your Bears career and, and ask about Lovey because Lovey's kind of polarizing in Chicago. He won so many games. He took us to a Super Bowl, almost took us to two. And yet yeah. people still like to say, you know, make fun of him for Rex is my quarterback and they couldn't find any offense. Can you just kind of explain a little bit to fans who I always felt like Lovey made it a choice to maybe be a little bit short, dry, a little evasive during the post game, right? Don't let anybody know what's going on inside your locker room. Talk about like how important that is for a coach to kind of do that and why it maybe lends itself to fans not liking a guy like that. Yeah, Lovey just had that personality where he was very brief about things, didn't really go into detail, and he's a he's a very private person. You know, I've I've known uh, you know his son for a while now. We went to college together, um, so I, I've known I've known them for a while. And he's a very private person, and I think he's the type that doesn't ever want to give anybody, you know, that locker room material where you say something and then all of a sudden it's posted up on there or whatever even inside our own locker room, right? If he, if he bad mouthed anybody or said they need to do better, it was just always like he took accountability for everything. And, and I admire that because as a coach, you want to be the guy that takes all the blame. You don't want your players to have to deal with that, even, even though, you know, they're the ones playing the game. So that was commendable of them. But, you know, people want the honesty. They want you to throw people under the bus. They want you to say that it was Cutler's fault. It was this person's fault. And this person missed this pick. And Chris Conti did that. You know, people just try to get into stuff like that. And no one person loses a game, right? It's a team game. And, uh, you know, all the way from the coaches. And uh, But I just love how Lovey took accountability of every situation and took the pressure off players. And that's, that's, that's the type of coach you want to play for. You know, a guy, a guy that always points at himself and not at you. And what's so interesting about that is as entertaining as those coaches can be, they often aren't in the game for very long. So if you want to, like, have, you know, like a career, uh, you know, sometimes it's nice. It's a good idea to protect your guys. Uh, let's right. jump in a time machine. Let's go into the modern day, 2021. Ooh. The Chicago Bears, man. Uh, here we are. We're one preseason game in. I think we want to get to the quarterback situation in just a second, but can you just talk about what's kind of going on with some of these guys right now, whether you're a veteran, whether you're a rookie, you got one preseason game under your belt. If you're a starter, you haven't played a lot. You know, where are these guys, what is their mindset right now? And when do you kind of get to the point as a player where you're like, I need to start getting like, I need to start getting for ready for week one, like right now. So from experience, the guys that are the veterans that are starters that are going to play a lot, you know, rotational players and stuff like that they're they're just trying to get healthy for the season. And that's that's the biggest thing that every organization like the Akeem Hicks, Khalil Max, you know, Robert Quinn's, Roquan Smith, 
they know what they can do on the field, right? It's just a matter of getting them healthy to the regular season because majority of injuries happen in the preseason. So now they're taking a game away, starting to make things better. And I think coaches are realizing like, listen, we don't need to play them on Sunday. We know that we know what they can do, right? Like Akeem Hicks, we know what he can do. We know what Khalil Mack can do. A preseason game or two is not going to make or break them. But the guys that are, you know, maybe fighting for a spot on the roster or a, a position in the rotation on defensive end, you know, they need to showcase what they can do um, and put their best foot forward. And I really feel like I think the practices matter more so than the games, hmm. in, in my opinion, because just just the vibe you get is like, yeah, obviously you have to play well in the games, but you having a good game and having bad practices, like it rubs coaches the wrong way, especially when you're younger, right? If, if you're a guy that, you know, has proven himself, it doesn't matter either way. But if you're a young guy, they want to see consistency. You know, they want to say, oh, well, you're not going to bring it every practice and we're not going to have you play right away. So you're not going to give us practice, but, you know, you're not going to play in the game. So what are you really giving me? Yeah. They want consistency in all aspects of it. They want to show that you're a pro, that you approach the game right. And um, so I feel like that's the biggest thing, what they what they want to see from a lot of these young guys, that you're bringing it day in and day out. And, you know, people put a lot of stock on preseason games, and it does matter at times, right? I think, I think a lot of it is like the combine, right? People put so much of an emphasis on that, but it's like your body of work every day and day in and day out, if, you, if, you're, if you're whooping people in practice, if you're doing the right things, if you're showcasing your talent, right? If you have a preseason game that's okay, but you, you held your own or something, they'll hold that higher, I think, than someone that's just like has one good preseason game and that's it. So Wait, are you telling the Bears fan right now that the Justin Fields' first preseason game wasn't the greatest achievement in Chicago Bears history right now? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> I think people put a little too much stock. I think it's, I think it's a good sign, though. No for a quarterback. I, I think I think quarterback that that has a lot of weight in it because think about it. You're organ you're you're in control of the whole offense, right? They're looking at you, they're seeing how your checks are, how your reads are, you know, how calm you are, how you're able to, you know, go go through reads and progressions in, in a newer offense that you're not used to and nervous, you know, like you're a first round pick now. They put all the marbles for you. They traded up for you. You're the big dog now, right? And I know they're saying Andy Dalton is the guy or whatever. I'm, I'm not. I'm not buying that. <laughs> Dude, here's here's my thing. Andy Dalton is like the opening band at a concert, right? Like, and you kind of like the band, and maybe you like you know a couple of songs, and you're like, look, I'm gonna listen to this band. I'm gonna drink my cocktail. I'm gonna go to the bathroom. I'm gonna get some food. I don't care if I miss the opening band because we're all waiting for. The main headliner. That's kind of where I'm at with, with Andy Dalton. Good guy, but let, let's be honest. I, I think he's a lot like Nick Foles, right? It's a guy that yeah. we brought in to to sh if if it doesn't work out with with Fields or in in the case last year with uh, Trubisky, we'll have a guy that can come in and and play well at times. Maybe he's not going to light him up like a you know a Russell Wilson or something like that but it's a guy that can manage a game for us if we need to we know he's not going to mess things up in certain situations so I feel like it's, it's a safe play like all teams are doing that they're getting a guy that's been a starter has had a, a couple good seasons but they know that they're smart enough to to manage and control a game if need be so be honest with the listeners right now what did you think of Justin Fields what did you like what did you didn't like and just a little bit talk a little bit more about what you think 
the importance of that game is in the coach's eyes versus what you're talking about, which is about stacking practices. Yeah, I think with him, like like I said, the quarterback position, I think it matters what you showcase in the game, right? And it was it was a limited role, but I feel like he looked so confident. And, and that's what I love to see from yeah. young quarterbacks, right? And I think that's the difference between a lot of people. Like I, I've always said, there's one guy that I saw as a rookie that I was like, wow, he is so poor. That's Teddy Bridgewater. So I played with him in Minnesota his rookie year. And I've never seen somebody so poised in the pocket, like n- never, never looked uncomfortable, never looked out of rhythm. At, and that's how, that's how I, Justin Fields looked, you know, on, on, during the game on, on Saturday. He just looked comfortable. And this is, this is a new scheme for him. There's a lot of pressure, you know, a lot mounting up to this because he had heard it all week leading up to it. Oh, Justin Fields, his, his debut, how is he going to do? And he shined. He's 14 of 20, 142 yards passing, rushing touchdown, rushed for 33 yards, threw a passing touchdown. That's then with the defense a little bit, right? kind of like manipulating outside the pocket, doing the cross exactly. body and then having yeah. the one guy bait him, like out of tackle yeah. and then tossing over his head. So let me ask you, who, who did that remind you of? A little bit of uh, that pa- Patrick Mahomes, a little bit, right? <laughs> a, l- a little bit like Mahomes. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you, I, I completely agree with you because I, I'll never remember when I first watched Dak Prescott play in the preseason. And he's sitting there and he's just bouncing on his feet like a boxer. And I'm like, man, this guy doesn't have a care in the world. What the hell is going on? Exactly. And, and, it, and it played itself out in the years to come and he becomes this great player. And Justin Fields is the same way where mm-hmm. as a Bears fan, I feel like and look, we're going to we're going to talk about Mitch in the first couple episodes here, but we're going to kind of move on from him. But the thing with Mitch a little bit was and it was a compliment. He had a quick twitch, right? Or he was always he would see one read, boom, boom, and then bounce out of the pocket. And I would always be like, wow, he's got great energy. But it kind of maybe more a nuanced take on it would be I don't know if he had the confidence or the trust to stay in there, stay with your reads, stay with your progressions, no matter what happens. He was always trying to do the right thing at the right time. And Justin just seems like he knows what he wants out of almost every single play. It's it's that's what's really promising for me. I, I think he's more of a complete quarterback, right? He can do it all. They're very similar as far as their uh, skill set, right? Yeah. You know, can throw a great ball, have great feet, are fast, uh, athletic, but you could just tell the different level. And I think that comes with experience, right? Justin Fields has played games like was, was, yeah, at Ohio State against the best competition out there. You know, I, I think the Big Ten and the SEC are two of the best conferences. So he's been able to be in tight games where we're stuck. Trubisky never really got that experience in college. And that's why I was a little confused. Like I could understand if in his short career in college, he just lit it up and everything was. But I get very weary of drafting guys off of, especially a quarterback position, off a of limited showing you know like defensive ends stuff like that you know you look how it's um daniel hunter right he played mm. i believe three games in college or something like started three games in college but that ended up being a good thing because i think a defensive end you can you can teach that a lot more you know hand settings up than you can being a quarterback understanding defenses that's something you either do or you don't like it's not something i believe that you can just learn overnight and it's some people like tom brady etc you know Deshaun Watson, some of those guys, Russell Wilson, they've known that since the beginning, since they've been a quarterback in high school. They know how to read defense. Trubisky, I never felt like really knew how to understand defense. And there's art to it. That's why you see the different quarterbacks, you know, i.e. Aaron Rodgers. He knows what's happening before it's going to happen. And those are the great players. Yeah, and you're you're talking about like physical skills, 
you can have physical skills, you can learn technique, but like you're talking about that feel, that feel for the game a little bit. And we saw that, I think, with Justin Fields in that first preseason game. My whole take on it, too, as well, was that it was kind of a perfect scenario where the Bears fans got what they wanted and got what they needed. Want yeah. the throws that we're talking about hitting Jesse James. Oh, by the way, they did a they did a tracker on it. They clocked Justin Fields at 20.3 miles per hour, the third fastest dude in the preseason besides behind K.J. Hamler on the Broncos. That's yeah. pretty fast. I'm just going to say it's pretty fast. Fields is an athlete, man. Fields is an athlete. Like, yeah. I, I think people sleep on how fast he really is. It was, yeah, I mean, dude, I, I, w- I was actually shocked about it because he's just so big, and just when he leaves those linebackers in the dust, you're like, okay, we got something here. But we also, I feel like we got something that Bears fans needed, which is just kind of understanding that he is a rookie. Talk about that a little bit because this the first couple series, probably we're going to have that delay of game if Javon didn't jump off sides. I don't want to be nitpicky here, but, you know, could, yeah. probably through that interception you know what I mean? When he lofted up to Jesse James, when he fell down a little bit, I'm not trying to say that these are bad things. I'm just trying to say that this is a learning curve. And for every bears fan that wants this guy to start right away and be amazing, he could start right away, but maybe the amazing might be some, a little bit more in the making. They're going to be very cautious here. And I, in my opinion, I think he should start day one. I think he's ready for it. Um, I think anything's going to be a learning experience, but as, as a good coach and, and I, I think the best coaches in the league, they understand this, that, you call your plays based on what what your QB is comfortable with, right? And i.e. Andy Reid has always done that, right? You know, he's 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 had the show, even when Matt Nagy was in Kansas City, he calls the plays like when Alex Smith was there, right? That's a guy they dumped to the side. Oh, he's he's nothing after Colin Kaepernick. It's it. He's his career's over. He's a game manager. That's it. And then he goes to Kansas City and is one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. Right. Because Andy Reid catered that offense to him. And I think this is what Matt Nagy should do with Justin Fields, right? And I think, you know, people say, well, they tried that with Trubisky to get him. He's a different quarterback than Trubisky. He can can do a lot more than Trubisky, especially throwing the football. So I think you get him on the move, you get him using his feet a little bit, and he's shown that he's smart enough to know when to get out of bounds, not take these hits. And that's something Trubisky at times struggled with. Like, okay, he hurt his shoulder that one time just knowing when to, when to play another play, especially as a quarterback, right? You don't want to take any hits, get out of bounds, do, do the right thing. So I think that's what Matt Nagy needs to do if Justin Fields is the starter day one. I think he should be, but they might be cautious about this. They might be trying to ease him into the situation. But at that point, you draft up for a guy. I think he showed it. You know, he'll have another opportunity to showcase what he can do. And if he lights it up again green light i think week one you say hey you're, you're our guy let's lead us uh, i love this so here's my question so you think justin Fields should start week one yes talk about yeah so talk about talk a little bit about so I've, I've heard from other players before in the past too about how the quarterback position is so unique on a football team and you said it takes a team to win and lose a football game but the quarterback position there's just something i don't know mystical about that position you know as a former defensive lineman defensive end in the league you know, how much did it mean to you or how much do you think it means to this Bears team right now that, hey, we know who our quarterback is? Like, you know, I'm just going to a quick shout out to my co-host from last year, Cameron Lee. He said the worst thing that the Bears did was make it a competition between Foles and Trubisky last year because they didn't know who it was going to be moving forward. And Nagy didn't even know because he went to Foles and then he came back to Trubisky again. It's that yeah. one foot in, one foot out. As a former player, those guys in the locker room right now, do you think they kind of want to know just who who is the guy and let's rock and roll and then let's work? 
Yeah, th- I think they want to know for sure. And I think they've been, you know, from the beginning saying Andy's our guy to start off with and we're going to see how it goes. But I think as time goes on, and especially if Justin Fields continues to light it up, especially in the next preseason game, I think they're going to be like, Coach, come on. He's, yeah, yeah, the look, kid's ready. Look the kid's at ready. Look over here. Yeah. And, and Andy's going to go. I think that's the ah, He's, he's exactly, right. Exactly. Like, I, I feel like with a situation like, Jared Goff a couple of years ago, I feel like they're really hesitant to play him because they didn't feel like he was ready. But I think this is a completely different situation. I think he's a guy that's ready to play, but it's just about what they're willing wanting to do because I think they have so much in, in their mind about how Trubisky situation, how the Trubisky situation worked out. I think they worry about that, but I think this is a completely different situation. I think they just missed the ball on it. Some people just miss picks. It's not, it's not, I mean, a lot of people had Trubisky high on the board, right? It's just the bears wanted him more and yeah, Hey, who knows if he could have, if he would have went to a different situation, you know, the Patriots or something like that, who knows when Tom Brady left, he could have been in there, but the situation for the bears, it just, just didn't work out and and that's you can't you can't be nervous about what if or what that if, if somebody's ready to play you just got to give them the green light you can't be worried about this that because there's learning curves and learning experiences that young guys have to learn and there's been a couple guys that have, that have started since day one you know russell wilson was a guy right he was a young guy he was he was able to play and um you know they kind of threw him into the fire um, and he did really well with it. And I think Justin Fields is that same type of guy. And I'm just hoping that they will start him week one because I know after a certain point, they're going to take Andy Dalton out anyway and and put Justin Fields in. But I hope he's the guy from day one. And I want to see him shine because you, you playing for the Bears and you've been a lifelong Bear fan. You know how much the city has been waiting for a guy. I'm not talking a guy. A guy like the, the next the next Pro Bowler, Hall of Famer, you know, uh, Jim McMahon, you know, great. But they want that guy, that next one that everyone talks about. And I think Justin Fields can be that guy. I don't know what to do with myself, Corey. I, seriously, we're talking about when I was watching him and he's got that confidence and that calm in the pocket. I'm like, I'm terrified right now. I haven't seen that before my whole life. I'm right? not really sure what to do with myself. Yeah, you're, you're like, defense, you're defense. <laughs> yeah, seriously, yeah. It's like, let's pin him back. Ooh, oh, they're backed up now. Oh, we got great field position. Those were the things that I would constantly be like, now we're cooking with. And you're bringing up such a great point. And honestly, I'm, I'm a little bit on the whole – if Fields sat for a couple weeks and Dalton gets it going and, and Fields learns what it's like the day and week in, week out of install and stuff, I'd be okay with that. But you're convincing me right now, and you're bringing up a really good point because basically different player, different situation, different skill set, right? And I also feel like with Trubisky, and maybe this is on Nagy a little bit, is there was kind of – I don't want to say that they didn't get along, but interpersonally, Nagy and Trubisky, I think maybe – it wasn't a great mix in the end where Trubisky by the end was saying, Hey, roll me out. Let me do all this other stuff. And I guarantee you in the film room, Nagy was going, Hey, I drew up this play to be a 35 yard pop and you checked it down. You know what I mean? And like we're leaving plays on the field and they kept going back and forth. I don't think that's going to be the issue with Justin at all. And I don't hope Nagy doesn't compare his relationship with Trubisky to how he works with fields and what he challenges him with offensively. I, I don't think he will at all. I think yeah. I think it's such a difference because look look, look at the situation, right? Uh, Matt Nagy comes in, you know, it's it's not the guy that he picked, you know, so he's got to work with this guy Trubisky. Like, so I think it's just a completely different situation. I guarantee Nagy had to say, 
the final say in picking Justin Fields. That's my guy. I want him. And I think it's a different situation. And, you know, I always say, you know, I think the the biggest thing that we had when 2012 and 2013 had was we had had a different GM and all that. So Jerry Angelo was there. Then Phil Emery came in and he has his guys, right? And people feel certain ways about guys they draft and they pick compared to guys they don't. You know, there's no rhyme or reason. But, you know, you don't you, you don't play well and there starts to become this discord between you guys. I think it was just a bad relationship with them, like you were saying. And then he's like, you know, it's probably not even my guy anyway, you yeah. know, in the back of his mind. Yeah. Obviously, he's got he's got he's got he's got to structure everything. But I think he got so tired of him after a while. He was like, I'm pulling him when he put Nick Foles in the game against the Falcons. I think you could just tell he was so mad at Trubisky. He was just like, I'm done. Like oh he, yeah, you could just tell visibly after he threw that one pick, he's like looking for the excuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, you know, yeah, he was he was like this. Get him out of there. You see him, get him. And and that was you could just tell like it was just a lot of years of frustration, you know, um, that that Nagy was dealing with, you know, because he was trying to do everything and and do this and that. But I just feel like he was just like that's he's not the guy for us. Yeah. at some point and looking for an clear. excuse and, and look man we'll we'll have a great conversation about the politics in the nfl of my guy versus their guy some other day trust me and i'm yeah. sure you got plenty of stuff to say about it because most former nflers do let's take a quick break to talk about our brand new sponsor here on bet on chicago balance seven so i don't know if you guys have heard but apparently former nba player lamar odom may be returning to professional basketball in spain soon i was recently reading a press release about how he started taking a ph balancing alkaline supplement called balance seven and that has helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015 quote lamar odom i have an enormous amount of energy which is good for me it's important when working out i always need energy to level up and i couldn't agree more with lamar and after watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, I think it's safe to say that Balance 7 is working for him. Now here's the cool thing. We've got a promotion running with Balance 7 right now where if you go to their website, balance7.com, use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout, you'll receive a free four ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails at $13.99, so I'd say you're getting a pretty good deal right there. So what are you waiting for? Head to balance7.com, use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout, and get in on this promotion while supplies last i know i will and if it worked on him it can also work for you too balance7.com now back to the pod but i do want to ask you let's move over real quick scale of one to ten um we're heading towards the second preseason game right now what is your level of concern one to ten with the offensive line uh it's big concern right Mm -hmm. they draft tevin jenkins in there to sure up that left tackle position with charles leno leaving and then he's banged up during training camp right and then you got some other guys over there that are, that are fighting for spots. Got uh, a Fadi came in, but he's, he's more of a right tackle. He's not, he's not supposed to be a left tackle at all. And I just, that's why they signed Jason Peters, you know, to sure up that position. If, if Jenkins can't play, um, you know, the thing is Jason Peters, I played against him, arguably one of the best left tackles to play the game, but he's older now. Like he's had, he's had a lot of injuries and I'm sure he could come he's in. Old, he's older than me, dude. He's older than me. That's how I know when I, I'm allowed to say the dude's old when he's older than me now. I'm 37 now. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, like, exactly. Like, football years, that's 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 old. That's, 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 lot, that's like, football years like dog years, man. So yeah, he's he's <laughs> old in the game. I think you know what is it? What is he? Almost 20 20 years, I, I believe. He came he came out I think in 2000. I uh, yeah, 20 maybe his 19th or 20th year in the NFL. Yeah. A lot of yeah, pogles so too. I, I mean exactly. 
but I think it's more just to sure up the depth of the position more so than anything. Um, well, and also, and, is, it, is it fair to say, hey, Jason, can you get us to October? Yeah, that's true. You know, I you mean, know, if, they, if they need him, because I think yeah. he can with this type of offense, right? It's, it's not it's not the traditional type drop back, five step, seven step drop like Mike Martz, where you need an Orlando pace lockdown or you need Jason Peters in this prime yeah. to, to block. So I think it's something that he could be able to do. He's a good athlete. I think he's a little past his prime and, and on the tail end of the career. But I think if needed, he could probably go in there and, and uh, you know, like you said, give you a couple games, get you through some chip help here and there to help him out if need be. Um, he's a smart guy. He knows. And then he can, he can you know, mentor these young guys on, on the offensive mm-hmm. line. And I think that's more so than anything. You get This is what you always see in the NFL. You see guys on the tail end of their career that are trying to hang on. And they go to a situation where they can be play maybe for a year, a little bit here or there, or, or start for the year, or be a swing tackle, swing guard, but mostly to mentor the younger guys. Cause they're like, this guy was one of the best to ever do it. Like Orlando Pace, unbelievable player. His last year he played for the Bears. And, and that's kind of what you see it. It was, it was to come in and, and fill a role because they know he could do it, but he's on the tail end of his career. And people just want that in their locker room. A guy that's like won Super Bowls is a Hall of Famer, a Pro Bowler. People just love that knowledge and the young guys, they love it because, he, you know, Jason Peters is coming in there and everyone's going to be like a sponge and soak up because like this guy was one of the best, you know, nine time pro bowler, you know, will probably be in the Hall of Fame one day. You know, I don't I don't know if it'll be a first ballot, but I think he'll be in the Hall of Fame one day for sure. Yeah, that's a great call just on the off the field type stuff. And also keep in mind, Bears fans, too, as well as we move further, other teams are going to be making cuts. There's different ways to fill out your depth on the offensive line and find different guys that can come in. And Juan Castillo, obviously, I'm sure, is already looking at those dudes now as we speak. That will be a topic that we are going to be bringing up more as the regular season gets closer. But I do want to switch over to the defense, man. Let's go to your bread and butter. I just want to talk about what are you excited about for this defense heading into 2021? What, what's got you excited? Is there a player? Is it Sean Desai? Is there maybe an X-Factor player that we're not thinking about? What's got you pumped about the defense? I think I think there's one player, and and I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but we can talk about it now. Uh, Robert Quinn. Right? Oh, let's do it. Yes. Let's do it. Let's, let's just dive yeah. full into it, because I, I know that was supposed to be something we are talking about. Let's just get into it, because that's a guy I'm excited to see, right? You, you look at the big contract he signed, five years, 70 million. We're expecting him opposite Khalil Mack to really go off because the year before with the Cowboys, he had 11 sacks, looked great. You know, looked like he yeah, just his, looked with – His pressure percentage was one of the highest in the NFL, so all the little geek peripheral stats, like, flushed themselves out too. Exactly. So I, I think last year we just didn't see that sack production, right? And he had a decent – production season i mean he was he was top 10 as far as disruptions uh pro football focus i mean you know he had hits he had pressures he just didn't have the sack total right and when you're opposite khalil mack the attention he gets right and then you got akeem hicks in the middle you're thinking this guy's gonna go off this year and he just didn't right he was banged up with the ankle thing early on and i think he you know at certain points you know for whatever reason you know Th- things don't always go, whether it was motivation, this, that, the other, but I know he's been hearing it all off season. Oh, Robert Quinn, he's, he's not who he was. And I, I, I don't think that, I think he's still got the burst. I feel, still think he's got that juice. I think he would lead the team in sacks this year. Woo-hoo! I think so. Ooh, I I'm calling it. it. I'm calling it. I, I love to make these predictions, but, but I think 
you know, as, as a competitor, I think he's just so disappointed, like, even though he knows he didn't play that bad in the scheme of things, but for what Robert Quinn, the name that he's amassed in this league, you know, to have two sacks, you know, in, in a season where you're opposite Khalil Mack, I think that's going to bother him. And I think that's going to motivate him. And I would be, I would be shocked if he doesn't have double digits or leads the team to sacks. I love it, dude. Cause I was going to try and uh, shock you. And I was going to say 20 and a half sacks over under with Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn. I was going to say over this year. I think and, over. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think a lot of people love banging on him because you know, he got paid and he came in and we, we, we obsess over sacks, but man, I'll say it. So I got the opportunity last year to watch the all 22 for the first time. I'm not an expert. I'm trying to learn, but I watch a game like Carolina and they get up to that 10 nothing lead right off the bat. And if you watch that game, Robert Quinn is a destructor. He literally gets right in the face. The reason why they got that pick six early was because Robert Quinn does a, a, a slant on the inside. I'm going to say it wrong, but you know, inside run gets yeah, right in Teddy's exactly. face and it makes it happen right away. And those are effective, productive plays that, dude, aren't sacks, but they led to points. So if you're Robert Quinn, you know, maybe last year, maybe Bilal Nichols gets to, you know, gets to get gets to the quarterback a little bit faster because they're paying attention to him. But Eddie Goldman's back. You still have Akeem Hicks, who's now probably playing for a contract. He wants to get one more bite at the apple. Khalil Mack, for all counts, is having a great training camp right now. I'm with you, man. Robert Qu- and, and look, we can go on and on. Roquan Smith coming into his own fully in his prime right now. We have the makings of we've been overhyped in past seasons. Are we being underhyped in terms of the Bears' defense of how we're going to get after the quarterback, or is it a little too I, early to say? I, I think I think I think they are just because of how last year went as a whole. It was just it was just a frenzy at times, right? Because we didn't see the same defense, you know, certain games uh, stopping the run. And I think that's the biggest thing. Where where certain sack numbers weren't there, it's because of stopping the run. At times, they've really struggled to stop the run, and that that's been the biggest staple of the the Bears defense, right? If you can't stop the run as a defense, you can't pin your ears back and rush and be in those favorable situations where you possibly have a five-step drop. That's how you get sacks, right? Everything in the league nowadays is quick, quick tempo. Let's get it out. Let's get it out. But usually, you know, when you have that tight coverage, that's what buys you a second, right? But if you're third and short all day, you know, you kind of got to pick and choose how tight your coverage is and whatnot and how quickly you're able to get the quarterback. Well, and on top of that, too, I think the Bears actually on third down were at least top five for most of the year last year. Yep. But I think they didn't bring the opposing team to enough third downs. I think like you were saying, you know, exactly. they're getting first downs on second downs. I know that's always a problem when we play a guy like Aaron Rodgers. You know, that issue always kind of creeps up a little bit. Can you talk about, you know, what's your feeling right now? I think a lot of people like to point towards the secondary are you optimistic about the secondary right now? I know there was some physicality issues a little bit about those guys maybe, you know, getting in the box and making some tackles. How are you feeling about Kendall Vildor versus Desmond Trufant? And do you think that unit as a whole is going to be okay? Yeah, I, I feel good about them. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, Trufant and Kendall, I, I, I think they're going to do great back there. I think Eddie Jackson, you know, is going to be great as he always is. But I, th- I think that the tone of the defense is the front seven. I think that's what sets the tone of everything. I think everybody else in the back half will be good because I, th- I think they're going to be so disruptive in that front seven. And I think that's going to be the staple of a team. And you, you look at just the past of any successful team defensively, right? From starting from like the Giants, you know, in, in 07, that's what, that's what really is fond of me. Like Michael Strahan, O.C. Manure, Justin Tuck, you know, uh, Kiwanuka, um, you know, that that front four, that front seven 
that's what won them multiple Super Bowls, you know, in, in 07 and 11. That really, they're the Tom Brady killers. Like, that's how you disrupt yeah. stuff. And, you know, their secondary was, you know, they had a couple guys here or there. They weren't, they weren't like what we saw with Seattle when they had Richard Sherman in them. They weren't the Legion of Boom. And I think that's that's what you're seeing is is the emphasis on the front seven. I think the secondary will be fine at the end of the day. I think rush and cover works together and it starts with the rush. How much pre- stopping the run, how much pressure you can get up front, it makes the job of the secondary so much easier. So if they can generate that pressure, I think the, the, the pick totals will be there. You know, I think it'll be a lot easier on that back half. That's a great comparison, too, because how did they beat Tom Brady last year with quarterback pressures? I think he was the most quarterback pressures he had seen in whatever, of six or seven years or something along those lines. Um, I have a question for you. Woulda, shoulda, coulda, we could do it all day long, but how annoyed do you think Eddie Jackson is? Didn't he have like three, four, five different splash play turnovers, pick yeah. sixes, whatever they were called back by penalty last year? As oh, a that's... As a player, how do, you, how do you live with yourself? How does that, how does that work yeah. it out? That's the, that's the worst feeling. So, you know, as, as, a, as a defensive back, you, you make your money on picks, uh, fumble recoveries for touchdowns, et cetera. Just like defensive linemen, you make your, your money on sacks. So, you know, whenever it would be a situation like somebody would get a sack on the defensive line and then there'd be like defensive holding, like people would just get so mad because at the end of the day, especially, you know, for defensive linemen, I, I think secondary can get away with maybe the total not being there, you know, as far as interceptions or et cetera, because it's based on how often they throw to you, how you productive your defense and defensive ends and, and especially are measured by how many sacks. I don't care. You know, Robert Quinn had a great year last year. Does anybody care? No, because w- what's the number that was low? Look at the sack board. Let me look at that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but but as a top player, that's what's important. That's what gets you paid, right? The year before he had 11, that's what got him paid. Mm-hmm. Two sacks doesn't get you paid, right? Three sacks doesn't get you paid. You know, five gets you decent, seven more, eight, okay. You get 10, ooh, you, you pretty much get mostly what you want. And, it, it you know, even if it was a fluke year or, you know, whatever, 10 sacks gets you paid. And, you know, I think, I think it's the worst when you get – you get a, a defensive holding or it gets called back. Like it's so it's the worst feeling in the world. You're like, you're like, Oh my goodness. That that's my money right there. You know, that's my well, money. And then, and then, you know what, man, bears fans who, who I love, and there's so many of them, but some of them will then say, where was Eddie Jackson last year? Or he didn't show up or he, he's not a playmaker anymore. It's kind of like, no, the dude was around the football. Like he's always exactly. around the football. Oh, he's a he's ball those moments that just didn't, just didn't work out. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think fans, um, and I love the fans, you know, they're the reason why, you know, we tell got me, paid the no, big bucks. Tell me, be and, honest with me. I expect honesty from you. Just, just be but, real but, with me. I, I need th- to learn. I, I think a lot of times they just look at the numbers, right, of everything, oh, sure. right? And, and, and that's warranted, right? If, if you're a running back and you get 200 yards rushing the whole season, that's not a good, that's not a good season. But I think there's certain positions that is not measured by totals of things. I think it's measured more on your impact. And I feel like defensive back, you, you look at some of these years like Jalen Ramsey and some of these guys that really weren't throwing that much. They didn't have many, uh, you know, pick totals or whatever, but they're regarded as the best. Like people are like, who's the best in the league? Him. Well, what about his numbers? You know, it's, it's just that type of thing. But I think when people see, you know, different things like, oh, he didn't have as many picks. He didn't have as many of this. 
people say, oh, well, he had a bad year. And I'm like, uh, I don't know about that. But but that's the thing they did to, like, Dion. You know what I mean? And you're like, well, that's because they'll never throw to Dion. They'll never exactly. throw over there. Like They don't a, want that pick six. Yeah, like, so we're, we're going somewhere else. And I think sometimes with guys like Eddie Jackson, maybe you're trying to stay away from him. Guys like Khalil Mack, when you hear about double and triple teams, you know, that stuff gets really hard when you get that kind of respect. And it can sort of hurt your numbers, but it doesn't mean that it can't affect the game. Exactly. So I, I think people need to put more emphasis on impact, mm-hmm. right? Watch the game, watch the game and, and actually look how something impact and don't just look at the stat box. Don't look at, you know, whatever fan, I, you know, I know you the guys or, love yeah, fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm a little against it because I feel like it, it takes the fun out of watching the games and some people feel like, Oh, I'll just watch the clips, but you don't really get a full picture of the whole game watching just clips. You got to watch the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> understand it's a body of work, you know? It's it's ruined a lot of stuff for me, uh, especially when I'm watching Red Zone. I'm watching other other players and stuff. I do have one rule though. I've never drafted a Green Bay Packer, and I never will because I just don't want that in. I don't want that in my headspace. I don't need it in my yeah. life. I don't want it in my heart. So just what's the point? I'll just never. I'll just never. Yeah, do you, you can't do that. No cheese heads, right? Never, never, never in a thousand years. Uh, let's get you out of here on this final one, Corey, on our first episode of the 2021 season of Believe in Bears. Let's take go inside training camp right now. Take us back to the playing days. Ooh. I want to hear your top three, four, five. What when you walk into a training camp and you say goodbye to everybody else? Maybe the girlfriend, maybe the family, maybe the phone, maybe the wife, the dog, whatever. What are the five things that you need with you in your training camp room that's going to get you through that time? All right. So you, first off, you need the TV, right? You need your uh, your Netflix, you know, whatever smart TV you got. You know, get your get your HBO Go, Go, your Showtime. Um, you got to get all those essentials. Um, and you know, I think a big thing too is like, I think people are are big like sweet addicts during training camp, right? Because you're burning so many calories and you're so stressed out about everything. You just want to eat like everything unhealthy. And like, you don't gain any weight, you lose weight during training camp because you're working so much. So like, you feel like you can just eat whatever you want, you know, gummy bears, you know, Swedish fish, uh, Reese's, oh, wow. everything like that. Yeah, Reese's in my fridge right now. I know, I know. What yeah, you're exactly. You got to keep them cold, man. Uh, yeah, that's right. That, that's a, and you need, and you need a comfy, big down blanket because it gets cold as heck in that dorm that ac ooh, it gets cold in there they got one of those window units and man that thing gets cold so you need that yeah i've heard you need uh, i've also heard for some people you need a fan sometimes like but you're but they they pump the cold in there oh yeah they do some people i i don't know i've never heard of a training camp especially at the nfl level where they where they don't put you in air conditioning you know maybe for the college stuff or high school but in the NFL, they uh, they make sure you're taken care of. I, and then, yeah, so that's four of them. What's the oh the the, the gaming system, right? Your Xbox, your PS. Say, are you PS. are you a gamer? Are you more like if you come home, maybe it's a 50-50, But what are you more likely to do? Are you a gamer? Or are you a movie guy? I'd rather watch a, a show, a, t- a TV show. Like I as, I used to be a, a gamer and play like you know FIFA, the video game, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I feel like just as I've gotten older, like, you know, you know, it's like you just I feel like you don't have time for video games, especially having having kids now. But like in training camp, I feel like I'd play it probably the most I, I would all year because, you know, you ain't got nothing else to do. But I feel like, yeah, I, I played it like the first couple of days. And then after a while, you get so tired, you just want to go to bed every night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, my hands hurt. I don't want to. I, I love I love playing video games. I'm a big I, I'll do Madden. 
Uh, I love 2K, and finally MLB The Show came to Xbox, which I'm very happy about. But, dude, I'm with you because as I get older, the best time to play video games is 11 p.m. to 3 a.m., and those just aren't efficient hours for me anymore. I'm either getting ready for bed or I'm walking the dog and getting, you know what I mean? Because I got to get up in yeah. the morning. And that time's yeah. been taken away from me. I'm never like at noon, like, let's play a video game. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen to me anymore. So yeah. grown people don't do that. You know, when you get older <laughs> and you, you know, you become a uh, functional responsible. citizen. You, yeah, we're so yeah, responsible. yeah, you know, and I, and I, I think if, if you're a single dude, you know, um, Hey, that's your thing. You got time for it, but you know, like if, if you're married or you you got a girlfriend or anything, any kind of thing that you know takes up your time, like you're just not gonna have time for it. And you know, I, I do have a couple of friends that are still into games, and I know that's that's kind of you know an issue at times with the wife or whatever. But I think they they manage it well. <laughs> yeah, I got a buddy uh, who had a baby shower recently. And he, they did this big list of like guests, the, all the stuff about them, like get to know them. And they were like, what's the one yeah. thing that he's going to be worried about? And he said, uh, was it the sleeping? Was it the diapers or was it, he can't play video games anymore. And he picked, he can't play video games anymore. Doesn't care about the diapers. Wow. He just can't wow. game anymore. Some people, that's the thing, right? Like everybody has their thing. Like I, I love to golf and you know, some people look at me like I'm crazy, like, oh, golf, that's stupid. That's this, you know, you take up four hours of your day for doing nothing. I'm like, oh, I enjoy it, you know? So I, I get that people game. It's just not my thing. You know, it's their thing. Golf's my thing. You know, they call me Tiger Woo. <laughs> Do they? <laughs> that's, I love that. That's so funny. I mean, hey, man, over the last year and a half or two years, golf has been kind of a lifesaver for me personally. Last one for you, uh, movie or TV show that you're watching. So I've been watching Ted Lasso. Right? I am too. Did you finish it? Are you caught up? No, no, we're still on season one, but uh, that's a great show. A football coach becomes a football coach, right? Jason Sudeikis, I mean, hilarious. That's, that's probably uh, me and my wife's like favorite show right now. It's like one of those feel-good shows. You know? It's such a feel-good that, show. Yeah, it's, it's, it's dope. So yeah, I, I just, I don't want to spoil anything. We don't spoil anything for the listeners out there, but if you have Apple TV, go and check it out. Ted Lasso, Jason Sudeikis, you know? I'll tell you, that man is funny. We started watching it two weeks ago, so I'm kind of on the same path that you're on, but we kind of ripped through it pretty fast. I'm I a see. Big, I'm a big I, Coach Beard guy. I love Coach Beard. Yeah, uh, he's funny, man. He is funny. When I, when he took off his hat, I was like, whoa, what is that situation there? But, hey, he's just on. You know, how, you know how men get with hair, man. LeBron James, you know. He uh he's he still is trying to hold on for dear life, you know. He, during the game, I mean, there's bald spots afterwards. He's looking smooth, so I don't yeah. know. <laughs> he should just go bald, man. Just accept it. Become that bald guy in life. He did the four. He did the four layered headband for a while. I mean, like I yeah. love LeBron, but it's like, come on, man, just give it, just let it loose. Yeah, let it loose, but guys, won't let go. You know, they, they are very sensitive about hair. You know, and I, I feel like. Um, Especially like he would look fine with it, man. He's got a beard, you know. He's a basketball player. Like that's that's in his wheelhouse, you know. Core, core, man. I think this was episode one in the books, training camp style. There's, got to know you a little in bit. The books. Talk some Ooh. Reese's Pieces. Talk some Ted Lasso. You know, we're gonna talk Brett Favre someday, listeners. So you guys make sure you stick around and check that out. Uh, but Corey, man, before we go, uh, tell the good people how to follow you on all the socials. What you got going on with Fox Thirty Two right now? Because. Uh, football season's right around the corner. They want to check out all your content. Yep, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Corey Wooten, C-O-R-E-Y-W-2-O's, two T's, O-N. 
Um, and then also on, I'm on Facebook. Um, and then I will be doing uh, Fox 32 coverage this year for the Bears. So all season long. So I'm looking forward to it. Football is back, like we said. And uh, yeah, I can't wait. Can't wait for uh, the first game. You know, this preseason stuff is cool. But the regular season, that's where the big dogs eat. So I'm excited for it. I know I'm ripping days off the calendar myself. And uh, yeah, dude, Corey. Great to have you on board on the Believe team. I'm so happy and grateful that you are my co-host. Congratulations on the post game with Fox 32. That's going to be amazing for you. And uh, and, and we're off. We're on our we're on our way. Going to be doing some episodes for you guys, breaking down post game, doing a little pregame, bringing on some guests, maybe some you know, celebrities. Who knows what happens? But we're going to have a great time this year in 2021 and riding the Justin Fields train. My name is Joey Christopoulos. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Joey Sports Guy. This episode of Believe in Bears was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go on your mobile device right now because you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Today's episode is also brought to you by Balance 7 pH Supplement. Be well, be safe, be good to each other. Corey, sign us off. Let's go. Believe in Bears, baby. Let's get it. It's a good first episode, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.